Hey everyone. So, um, many stops on this journey, right? There are many places that you're going to go if you take the route back to your own freedom. And <clears throat> essentially, um, go rescue your little munchkin girl or boy and um, claim back your liberty, really. Um, so if you've taken on the trick and you have been engulfed and have agreed and submitted to this crazy-ass relationship, which it is if it's a little child and a crazy person and or it doesn't have to be crazy, just, you know, bad, you know, bad and intentioned or fucked up or whatever, whatever the effects of their injury is upon the little child. Um, you have made an agreement early on, you made a contract. You're going to agree to whatever they do to you. You're going to, you may hate it, you may, it may go against, go against every cell in your body, but in the choice between life and death, you're going to choose life, especially in that barely conscious place that you're in, which is a kid, right? So remember, <coughs> you're still sort of growing because you don't come out fully formed. Most animals do, humans don't because of, you know, how big they are and whatever. So you're going to get mixed up into that stuff early on. So a person doesn't suddenly become a fuck up, you know. Um, if they're a fuck up when you're born, you will be affected by that very early on. It doesn't suddenly, oh, you know, they suddenly start hurting you at, you know, four or five or six. No, if they're there, doing what they've always done, then you will show up to it and get pulled into it, right? There's no um, time sensitivity. <clears throat> and so whatever you agree to and build in relationship to this person is your trauma. And it's very powerfully built. I've said this many times, and you remain infantilized in it. You can't, you know, the one thing about being a mother is that, you know, children grow as they, you know, can love you and then at the same time tell you to go fuck yourself. In other words, they can become their own person, right? So it's the act of you're their parent, yes, but they're an independent body. They're, um, you're only there to nurture them so they can become their independent body. And at some point, you know, they don't need you. Or, you know, and as a loving parent, you have to be available both for the nurturing of your child and also for their separation and their, you know, their growth, which is separate to you. Right? It's 
they are not you, they are themselves. So all you're really asked to do is to be a loving light um, throughout. That's really it. You're not really asked to do anything else. You're, you're there to let them to nurture. You're a gardener, you know. You're a, an orchid gardener. You know, you have to water and make sure and, and really care and love. You, you're not them. They're going to become whoever it is that they are. And that's whatever it is. It doesn't really matter, you know, whether they're an astronaut or, you know, um, an undertaker. I mean, who gives a shit, right? It's just you're there for them to, to blossom into the best thing that they are, that they have brought with them, right? <coughs> when that doesn't happen, when none of that happens, like none of it, like... You're, you know, you're just thrown into this kind of broil. You're thrown into this cauldron of bubbling toxicity which has been going on, you know, before you arrive, certainly, right? Then <clears throat> you're just cooked in that. You're cooked into, there might be a dysfunctional parental relationship. There might be a toxic, you know, unprocessed shit that's going on with one of the people in that relationship. Um, <clears throat> without awareness, you become, you, you're cooked in, in it, you're cooked in them. There's no um, person guiding and loving you separate to, um, to them. It's just you're embroiled in them. So there's no growth and you remain stagnant really you think you're growing but really you're um, living inside I, I would call it a paralyzed force field and I spoke about this yesterday because I think one of the you know the things I've noticed in this cleansing through ayahuasca daily cleansing is um, that that so whatever that trauma is, um, is frozen. So if you are swiped up by someone's crazy, you remain frozen inside that crazy at whatever age that was. And you can't challenge it when you're four or you're five or you're little, right? So you agree to that contract you agree to that relationship and and everything it demands you do and you don't grow from there. I mean I don't I'm sixty, I've not done anything. I mean I've done many things, but really I've been paralyzed and because it creates this massive wound. It's really like and I described it, it's this it's you and the predator where you have been caught by them, trapped by whatever it is that they did to you. You know, it could be you know, not loving you, hurting you, refusing you, denying, whatever the, the, the injury. It could be a myriad of things, right? And if you imagine the nucleus of it is you and the predator, imagine a circle um, in which you have been 
captured. And in ceremony, I saw it. You know, it was shown to me. I was on the floor, my hands behind my back, this sort of satanic, roaring monster above me. <coughs> and <coughs> that was the reality of my whole life. I had never left that. I had never, um, first of all, I'd never addressed it because I'd hidden it. I'd never challenged it because it would mean my death early on. And so these things don't go away. I think that's one of the most important things. And also, not only does it not go away, but then it disappears under layers and layers of life that you live, which are just stories and identities and acts covering up this huge wound. <coughs> and and um, my journey, so it's basically imagine a, a frozen tableau on stage. It's you and whatever that, whoever that person is. And you as the four or the five-year-old, whatever how old, old you were when it happened, and the predator. You, you have built this relationship um, <clears throat> which, um, with me, it was done in a very sort of uh, cunning, seductive, it was a trickster, right? And as a child, you just want to be loved, so you're going to agree and submit and whatever. And so there it is. At the center of your life is the trauma that happened to you, and you frozen as a child in that moment with that situation. Now it may be repeated over and over because they don't, you know, it doesn't happen once, it happens over and over. That's how it gets inscribed into you. And, and that's how, you know, you're owned by it. You know, a lot of parents use their children to fulfill, fill up, you know, cover up. Um, <clears throat> Um, their dastardly deeds or their own dysfunction or their own poison or whatever. So <coughs> this is not an uncommon thing. So if you're caught up in this, right, in this thing that was done to you, that you've had to agree to and agree to them to be your parents, um, and then you remain in that center of that nucleus, in that frozen, paralyzed place. So around that nucleus, whatever, if you imagine you and the predator or whatever that happened, I don't know if you even know what happened. I totally did not know what happened. I spent many years agreeing and covering it up and, and fulfilling you know, the orders of that trauma and that fear. Um, then around that is, so if they've taken you in this, they've kind of stolen you, um, and you never get a chance to you know, blossom into who you are, then around that nucleus or that perimeter is, I call it, you know, an electrified fence, which is the terror that you have of leaving challenging it and it's fear it's just pure unadulterated fear 
that is that electrical fence. And so that's really at the core is <clears throat> it, you in relationship to this thing, this predator that took you hostage early on because of whatever it did to you or treated you or whatever. And then that sort of this paralyzed frozen tableau. And around that frozen tableau is then this fence of fear which is electrified and if you go up to it will electrocute you. In other words, it's a thing, it's a terror that won't let you leave. So you're, you're bathed, you're marinated inside its ideology, its poison, its toxicity. And, you know, leaving isn't an option because leaving means you have to face the fear that they have instilled in you as a child and literally, in my case, lives in me. It's like this, again, this sort of writhing, gnashing monster, right? It literally replicated the actual, the actual fear, the actual fence replicated it inside my system which again, I'd never known, you know, because I had so, so everybody has a different response to trauma. So my response to that event was to agree to it, right? To refuse my feelings, my truth. I basically canceled myself out. And we do, we, our souls disappear. It really is a robbing. I mean, it's almost like it's very fairy tale like they steal your soul. I mean, if anybody had said to me before, I'd be like, what are you, insane? But it's actually true. There is a theft, a soul theft. <clears throat> they talk about it. And in many different traditions, and certainly in the Shipibo tradition, it's called El Susto, which is a, a terror, right? And, you know, your, your, your soul. I literally, it's interesting, the actual Shipibo go and find your soul. It's insane. It's insane and so incredible. So, <clears throat> and with that, so what happens within this situation, right? There you are, newly arrived, little child wanting to be loved. Here it is, a predator that's horrible to you, whatever, in whatever way. And um, demanding that they, you fulfill you know, their toxic version of life. And you have no one to go to, there's no one to, you know, there's no ally, you're unprotected, you're unsafe, you're being used, you know, for whatever their demons are in you, right? And this is it. Here's, hello, welcome to paradise, right? How are you gonna you're going to survive this. It's, it's, it's an obstacle course and you're barely here. Right? Um, <clears throat> so mine was camouflage, act dead, submit, agree, um, you know, cover all this up with a Michelin five-star sauce, make it work. You know, make him work. Don't anger him because he will kill you. He's bigger than you. You're a little tiny munchkin what are you gonna like deal with this like you know six foot towering you know one swipe and it's over right I don't want to be physically hurt I don't you know I'm gonna make this okay for him 
and here's the wife saying, oh, he's really a lovely person. And I mean, it's just so much bullshit, but whatever, right? So you're marinating in sewage, basically. And this is it. This is life for some reason. I mean, and you don't have anything to compare it to. I can't compare it to the neighbors. I can't. Once you're in terror, you're just in terror. You're just jumping on hot coals. You can't even see the neighbors. You're just like, I've got to survive this day and then the next day and this day and the next day. So we've established, right? Here you are with Predator, submitted. The thing that keeps you in that relationship is the terror. Right? That's the force field, that's the energetic field around your relationship. So it, it will continue to cement the relationship. So you will not leave. You can't leave. You've agreed, you've submitted. You know, you're at its beck and call now. You're not leaving. To leave, you have to go up against the electrified field, force field which is always on, right? Because they're very aware of what they're doing. So um, you're always scared. And that eventually becomes, um, so how do you cope with that? Uh, you continue to um, alleviate, agree. And in the agreement, you continue to then cover, so it's then the, these layers start around this nucleus of, agreement. And I think of them like, you know, what they put in the sheetrock walls, you know, for noise, for sound barriers. They put this stuff, it's kind of spongy. I'm in the architectural prison, so whatever. You put layers and layers and layers. It's like, you know, um, <coughs> soundproofing. So you cannot hear or see the truth. That's what happens. You cannot hear or see the truth until you put so much soundproofing around it that you forget it even happened. You're so in the ideology now that you are one with them and um, everything you're doing is really <clears throat> as an outcome of their demands or really of what that fear you know, ignites in you. So in my case, it was, you know, there needs to be success. I need to, you need to make me look good. I need to, so everything was done really in um, collusion with evil. And I can only describe it as evil. That's just the way it works for me. Because I can't see as anything else other than evil who would do that, right, to a child. And so you literally become one with it. And so around, again, this, this frozen tableau where you basically shut down and disappeared is you, the predator, and then you um, building. I, I think the soundproofing and stuff is the you building yourself around this nucleus of a kind of a defense mechanism or a person that lives in relationship to the fear and to, this, and to their evil. And I, it's so. There's this. It's it's this solidified relationship between you and the predator. And so now I'm building who the predator predator needs me to be, 
in order to satisfy his needs. And, you know, it can be anything. You know, for me, for me he used me to um, be successful so that he would look good and he would get whatever he wanted. And blah, blah, blah. I was kind of a cash cow, basically. I was used to alleviate his own sense of lack of self-worth or whatever, right? And for you, it could be something completely different. They need you to fix them. They need you to be their sister, their mother. I don't know. But if there's trauma and somebody's pouring their poison on you, you will have to respond to that poison. And, and that poison has a need or a vacuum that you need to fill. So there's no... And you're smothered in it. Like, you know, again, like an oil spill in a beautiful blue sea, uh, you know, transparent water like the Aegean. And that will become your identity. And so as you keep submitting and agreeing, there are these layers and layers around the actual core wound. And um, again, <clears throat> the core wound can no longer even be seen. That's why I think they call it the shadow, because the layers and layers, the, you know, think about it around this round, layers and layers around it of agreement and then becoming the person they want and then becoming the fixer, whatever it is that your identity is around them. <clears throat> Marrying the right person, you know, looking the right part, having the right, whatever it is that they have imposed upon you. Right? It's an imposition of their will upon you. The freezing is that I have, you have to do what I want you to do. You have to be who I want you to be. Not I am the gardener and I water you so that you blossom into whatever magnificent flower you were destined to be. No, I am a massive, huge black cloud that is a threat to your very blossoming. And <clears throat> the only way you're going to have a relationship with me is if you agree um, to blossom in, or not, there's no blossoming, but really become what I need you, that's what's going to satisfy me. Two very different, two very different ways of living. One is a prison. One, the bulb never leaves the ground. And the other one is, you know, there's constant light and love and it's, you know, always being nurtured. So <clears throat> here's the next tricky bit about this. So and I'm going to talk about me because that's all I've got as an experience, but you can relate because we're all human beings, we're all one, and if it's happened to me, it's happened to 10 zillion other people. So here's the next bit. So I, okay, I agreed, I was terrified, I had no choice. You know, no shade on that poor little child, right? And I'm going to go off and do his bidding, right? Sorry. <coughs> I'm going to refuse. <coughs> Sorry. Excuse me. I'm going to refuse who I am. My soul just fucked off, right? It was completely removed. <coughs> Sorry. So 
Okay, so let's start again. So here you are. All right. You built the relationship with a predator in a time that you were powerless and vulnerable, right? You've agreed because you have no choice. You've got a gun up against your head. They, the relationship is kept in this one little, I think about it like a rotating jewelry box, you know, these two little things on a jewelry thing as it, as it goes around. Um, you're going to agree because you're terrified. Then around this relationship is a wall of pure terror, which is the electrified fence that is basically the dungeon keeper that um, continues to ensure that the relationship isn't broken, that you play this role. Again, on my first trip to Peru, my first dream was me in a room with a rotting corpse. It was him and my children playing in the other room and I wanted to be with my children. I couldn't, right? Couldn't not be in this horrific relationship, this horrific relationship. So, and then if you agree, you then, you have to agree first and foremost because you have no choice. Then this kind of wall of terror is built around so you never leave because every time you come up to this wall of terror, you know, it terrifies you or they terrify you. And then outside the wall of terror then begins the growth of you in relationship to it, right? And that's the layers of soundproofing and, you know, round and round this, this huge wound. Um, that is a thing that grows, that becomes you, that is the outcome of that one relationship. So you balloon around the wound, but you are built by the terror and the fear and the wound and the snatching, right? And it's layers upon layers of acts, of identities, of stories, of thoughts. It's this massive layering and layering. So that central nucleus where that relationship and that trauma happened has been completely removed from your existence. In other words, You've built so much around it to survive, and you believe it now by the time you're my age, 60. I mean, it's, right? Or, you know, when I first started 20 years ago, 40. It's like you are completely, you've become it. You've become the extension of that wound. And the only, the only thing you're becoming is the same thing that traumatized you, Right? You are essentially a ballooned version of a defense mechanism and a lie and a trauma and a kidnapping that happened early on. So I just became the thing that he wanted so that I wouldn't die. So I, somehow I'd have a connection that, you know, and basically I wouldn't die. I would be okay. So there's no me here. There's just a ballooned response to that version, to that relationship. And I am simply an outcome of a relationship to trauma. That means I'm a defense mechanism. I'm not me. My soul buggered off. So that's what happens in these relationships. If you agree to them and they hound you and they terrify you, um, there is no you. 
there's you as a, again an airbag I think about it as an airbag after an emergency <clears throat> that balloons to ensure that this person won't kill you or hurt you or refuse you in my instance this guy was really evil and who God knows what would have happened if I'd have you know challenged him my mother was scared of him um, he just instilled fear it was you know a complete annexing and takeover and whatever right so there you go so you build this monumental thing right so now you have this nucleus you and the predator around it is the wall of fear that you're not going to face because it has it's electrified and then around that is you know years and years and years of being a defense mechanism playing the role but really you've never been here and you're completely disconnected from yourself because in order for you to survive for you to exist somebody needs to see you it's a simple very simple act if if you want to exist, someone needs to see you, right? To really see you. Not um, to project their shit on you or to whatever they do, you know, to pretend. <clears throat> no, you need somebody to actually look into your eyes and see you. That's all love is, is attention. It's giving space to someone for them to be able to be there in whatever form they show up as. That's it. You're just holding space. I mean, that's a very spiritual term, but I think it's a very adequate term. A parent holds space for that child to do whatever. I mean, it's like you're a fertile field for the child to jump around, to do, to fall, to wake, you know, whatever to be loved, to be safe, to be, you know. <clears throat> so, so in this journey back, um, after many, so I was really out on the, if you imagine it's a circle, by the time I got to meditation, I was, I was far out on this wheel. Let's imagine it's a wheel. I was far, far out on the, on the edge of this, <clears throat> this wheel the center of which was this trauma. And after 13 years of meditation, I had a huge energetic uh, kind of like vaults of energy through my system that broke one of the first layers. And the first layer said, you know, it was a hint at what was actually going on, which was, you know, there's this writhing monster in the attic of your house and you have to go face it. That was basically very clear directions how or why I don't know but it was the meditation slowed down the continual stuffing of or the layering of this kind of soundproofing right if you imagine a wheel it's layers and layers of soundproofing around the trauma and doing ayahuasca the cleansing was of all the soundproofing around the trauma till I was you know showing me more and more and more of what happened until the layers and layers were being removed until, you know, it gave me the courage to see, to see that I was captured, kidnapped, what happened, the, the sexual abuse, the blah, blah. And then 
you know, I hit the, um, the energetic field, or the electrified field, the electrocution, the, the, right? So now you know, right? You've seen everything, you've felt it, the rage, everything. And, you know, you've been, you know I've been collapsing it, let's say, I haven't been, well, the, the ayahuasca, great ayahuasca has been cleansing and cleansing. And so I'm at the place where this thing is now, I, 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 that's it, I'm at, the, I'm at the, the fence, the electrified fence, which rages and, you know, again, all this you have to just sit through because it's going to keep coming up out of your system, right? So I'm at the sitting where it's just, you know, coming up and, you know, raging, etc. Now, if you've been traumatized, that means that you have a huge lock on your heart. The thing about trauma is you no longer feel. You think you do, but you don't really. It's too terrifying to feel. It is too terrifying to feel all of that happened to you. Certainly for me, I was sent out to be sexually abused. I was abused. I was, there was no love. It was awful. So, you know, for you to really heal, you have to let your heart feel. I like that. If you have to heal, you have to let your heart feel. And what I had built inside of me through this piece of shit, in order not to feel, I would mock. And I saw it in ceremony, like I had this thing in me that mocked the ayahuasca, made fun of it, as if that was a form of power. And that's what he did to me. He mocked me. He mocked people, right? If I make fun of you, then somehow I'm better than you. I don't have to feel I win, right? And part of my own hardening, or it was really kind of just, I would say, armor around my heart was, you know, I will not be hurt because before you hurt me, I will mock you, right? Which is a, it's, it's, it's a weapon, that's all it is. It's not, it's a horrible weapon, but it's a, it's a way of protecting yourself from feeling, right? So if I truly feel, I feel. I cry, I love, I whatever, right? But all of this trauma, what it, the worst thing it does is it doesn't let you feel. You won't let yourself be sad. No darkness can happen, right? And it's important in life, you know, feelings are here for a reason. You know, we have a whole bevy of them, from nostalgia to melancholy to anger to, because they inform us, they're our compass, and they're important. But we have to feel things so we can process them and move on. And it's really like, you know, um, a sewage pipe that has been blocked for many years. And I had this major blockage with that. 
It was major. I could not move this blockage in ceremony. And believe you me, I've seen enough stuff, right? Um, I was so blocked because I was so trapped. In fact, she showed me at some point there was a big spider's web, right? I was trapped inside that nucleus with that predator. It was a big piece of evil, big piece of darkness that had moved in. So, and again, I was little, so, you know, I didn't know. I was just innocent and pure. We all are when we arrive, right? So, um, so inside of me was, and I'd never seen it before. Again, this is, if you sit and sit, you see everything. Eventually, it's like people who do this, you know, 10-day Vipassana, you know, meditation thing. It's like the whole fucking store blows up and you see everything, you know, the whole continent opens up, right? Um, it's a quieting of your ego, which is your defense mechanism. As it dissolves, you know, all the truth flies out the window. I mean, it's literally just being, it just pours out of you like a geezer once you open up. It's like bats coming out of a cave. So inside of me was this, in order to protect my heart, um, I used mockery like him. I mean, I don't think to the extent that he did, but like, make fun of. Therefore, I remain separate. I, I remain aloof. I don't have contact with the actual experience. I never actually had contact with any experience because I had so armored up to refuse my feelings because the event was so traumatic. Pretty much makes sense, right? So as you melt, as your whole, as the, these outer rings, I would call them, of soundproofing and belief and glue, etc., begin to dissolve, you get closer and closer to the truth, into this nucleus in which you are held hostage by this abuser. Right? And again, this outer ring being the ring of terror. So one of the things that you know healing in, entails is the dissolving of the armor around your heart. Right? you begin to love your little child. You begin to see them in the light of the truth of what happened, right? You no longer are willing to side with the predator. You're willing to face the fear to save your child. That means that you have to feel. Feel. The, th the very thing that you've refused your whole life because it was so terrifying, you now have to do. It's part of the whole process of dissolving. And it's just been happening recently where it's like the feeling for my child has been very deep. I can finally see her, but something else which has been really incredible has been the sense of betrayal that I betrayed her and that the seeing of how I gave into this man right and all the damage that I did in the name of this evil 
And no, I didn't do, I mean, I didn't, you know, hurt anyone. But it was the sense of he used me to get his ends met with terror. And then I was the disciple of that. And I went out and looked for the things that he wanted to feed him. And how much damage I had done, not only to myself, because it was a complete betrayal of who I was, but also the hurt that I had imposed upon other people in the search to fulfill this piece of shit. I mean, of course, it was all done unconsciously, but it was the first time that I, I really felt the huge sadness of that like really in the depth of my being. And, you know, how apologetic and how sad and how, how horrible I felt as a human being. Horrible. And really also the massive betrayal to myself. And I think that's, again, where the healing happens, is when we agree to truly see who we are and what this trauma has done not only to ourselves it's a complete betrayal to ourselves but also the suffering that we have imposed upon other people because of our trauma and mine wasn't like the you know um, obvious it wasn't like, oh, you know, this person is being mean or spiteful. It was much more um, cunning, like him, and clever, and manipulative, and um, hor horrific, really, in that respect. It wasn't loud. It wasn't presumptuous. It was quiet and calculating like a fox, right? But it was still for an end to feed this monster. Like I was sent out like a mercenary, right? To fulfill his ends. So even though he was dead, and he is dead, um, I was alive still procuring and fulfilling his ideology, horrific. Which is really, again, against, again, it's a refusal. Even though he would, he's dead, I was still, this whole system was living inside of me, so that I was still fulfilling its ends. And I had no clue. It was a complete and utter takeover. So again, the healing was to see and to really feel, because the thing about this medicine is it's incredible, is once it's cleaned you, it, it, it literally opens up your heart. And that really is the biggest healing because you're, you're feeling the truth. You're not trying to cover it up or mark or make something work, pretending it isn't happening. Because at the, at the end, at the, you know, in my instance, the trauma was 
you know, I need this, this evil needs to be fed. This evil needs its needs to be met at the expense of whatever. And, you know, forget love and caring and, you know, who cares about that? I was doing what he was doing, right? I was just as unloving. You know, we do what we know, right? I was refusing my own love. He used to say, oh, you're so weak, Maria, so weak. Because I had emotions, and you weren't allowed to have them. So that really, I think, is one of the huge lessons. I mean, I was thinking, these are huge lessons, right? I, of being asleep, of being unconscious, of living with a shadow you cannot see, that they own you. And you think you're so clever and you're so, and you have this big ego and you're running around, really chasing your tail. And you're not doing any of your destiny at all. You're just procuring food for this monster because they themselves have been whatever. So nothing is healed until you see all of it. It's almost like you stop a lineage of happening, right? You stop this, this thing that's been traveling very fast. You just, it comes to a screeching halt when you see it all. I'm no longer, I'm not interested, you know, I'm just like, I'm not interested in fulfilling it. I didn't even know it was there. I had no, again, it was just all a mystery. It was all in the dark. It was all unseen. I didn't know any of this, like any of it. I was so deeply submerged in its venom, in its poison. And they say some people don't know what they're doing to their children. I mean, really, honestly, insane. They too are unconscious. And that's why it's important to wake up and to heal, not just for me, but for everyone, right? For the whole world. Because if, if I was living in this unseen place, this huge chunk of ether that I couldn't see, but was just this kind of black, dark place being held hostage by darkness I can assure you I'm not the only one and trauma what is trauma trauma is injury upon your energetic field that you are kidnapped you are owned by someone's someone else's injury it's a double injury why was he doing this? Because his own shit was unprocessed. And it's like a snowball. It just picks up speed, momentum, and then basically, you know, rollerblades over somebody else, right? When it arrived to me, it was pretty big. It was a huge, you know, I was inside a whale, basically. Of shit. And 
I think, again, one of the, there are many tragedies. I mean, it's a huge lesson. I can't, I just thought, oh, my whole life has been one big fucking lesson, right? Um, a lesson about not being awake, a lesson about agreeing to darkness, being trapped in darkness. You know, not having the courage to face it, which I, you know, of course, as a child, you can't, right? And the awareness of how much darkness there is in the world that goes unchallenged because we don't face it. And it all comes from no love. I mean, I don't think it's that complicated. It's just no love. Um, and what's interesting, too, is um, so these things, these, these defense mechanisms we've built and this sort of electrified field of terror, very, very powerful. So, you know, don't, you know, hate on yourself if you, they're difficult to manage or they feel unconquerable. They're, they're huge energies because they happened, you know, when you're just being cooked. Um, so when I was meditating, I think it was like a century ago, um, one of the things that happened for two years was I would go to sleep and I had these dreams of being chased by these men that were trying to kill me. And for two years, like nonstop every day, and I couldn't figure out why would they want to kill me. Well, <clears throat> it was myself revealing the truth to myself, right? It was this original piece of evil, this darkness, that was threatening me if I said anything or if I left or if it was that. Um, it's what I see now as this raging, you know, defense mechanism, this kind of like force field of <clears throat> fear, you know, to not betray them. I think, again, one of the things that happened in ceremony was, you know, I had to leave the ceremony space because the blockage in my system was so huge when she said to me, the ayahuasca said, you can have all the power you like, and I, that was impossible. That was so, so big a grip did this evil have on my system that I couldn't even, I wouldn't allow myself to see what happened. I mean, I literally had to convince my little girl to, you know, one day, like, you've got to tell me what happened. And when I was in a certain ayahuasca ceremony. I couldn't leave this place. I was surrounded by, you know, 10,000 demons. In fact, in a ceremony, I had 10 million snakes come out of me. I'm like a living cauldron of demons, it feels like. And then um, I remember when I was beginning to experience all this, these energies coming out of me, the shaman said, you better get it down here quickly. You've got black magic and evil. And it's like, oh, fuck, I can't go there, right? So... <clears throat> I don't know 
why or what, but I was, you know, basically held hostage by a lot of dark entities. So when they, they hold your soul hostage, which is what it is when you're agreeing and building defense mechanisms to agree to it and all that, um, they don't want you to leave. No, they're feeding off you. So they will come at you with all sorts of things. I remember I was told, you know, you're going to die. This was about three years ago. You're going to die on a particular day. And it was two years ago. I'm still alive. Um, chased uh, by these men. I was going to kill me. I had to be hiding under things. And most recently, um, you know, if you see all this, you're going to go mad. You know, if you get past this, if you don't, there'll be no one here for you. You're going to die. So if you reach the outer force field or the electrified field, if you're willing to challenge it, it will threaten you with death, basically. And what it's terrifying you with is the terror you felt as a child, which is you're powerless and I'm going to basically devour you if you leave, or you'll go mad, or um, you'll die, or and you'll feel it. You'll feel the terror of the child in the face of that gargantuan hundred-foot wave. And again, the best way out is through. Um, so you need to accept, you know, the dreams and the horror and, and continue to sit through it, right? Continue to sit through all of it and heal through the feeling. And, you know, I'd never felt, because it's a waking up of you, because you've been asleep if you've been, it's a, it's a sort of, if you're traumatized, you've been robbed, you've been anesthetized. You've been stolen. You've been shut down. And you're in fear. And this waking up to the truth is you see the sadness of it all. You see this thing, this evil that had robbed you, that had used you, that you had befriended, that you had become a disciple of, you wake up to the ugliness of it and what you did in its name, um, the sorrow of your betrayal, um, of yourself, of other people, and it's you feeling, it's you winning, it's you healing. It can no longer own you. I mean, it will come at you. It certainly came at me. It was like, yeah, you think you're woken? Well, I'm going to show you, right? You know, you've got no one to go to if you go mad. or it just, it's, These are just all threats, right? As it, you know, lives on its dying embers. 
I had never, <laughs> if you'd have asked me 20 years ago, like, oh my God, what do you think it is? Well, I think it's, you know, no biggie, just a few, few, few sessions in therapy. <laughs> I mean, fuck, this thing was evil and huge and unrepentant. It was a huge piece of poison that I got trapped in. And again, that I was stolen, um, it's clear. I mean, if you're a child and people do horrible things to you, I just read this poor little girl who's, oh, Mexico, who was abused and physically taught, and, just, she, and she went to the IC room, she said, I just want to die. You know, that somebody will love me somewhere else, basically. It's just, wow. Um, still resonates. I mean, that's really, there's a lot of cruelty and evil. And it doesn't have to be as extreme. It doesn't have to be, you know, what they did to the little girl or me or anything. It can be anything. It's just the lack of love. The lack of love is huge. And in that emptiness of love, you know, we're willing to, you know, we have to. We have to submit and agree to these loveless lives, which are just, um, they're just straw, they're nothing. They're energized. In, by the refusal of love. How can you live energized by the refusal of love? How can you live energized by fear? How can you live as a defense mechanism? You know, as a submarine, you know, you know, looking for more wars to be useful in, in living in other people's poison. I mean, that's just, it's horrific. And, you know, this dissolution of all of this, which is, it's an unbelievable privilege, and it's such a gift, and, I mean, there are no words for the gratitude, there's just, uh, you know, the only thing you have to do is to commit to your healing, and to commit to seeing, to letting yourself be broken open and to feeling again and to facing the fear, which will not stop. It'll keep coming at you because these egos, these defense mechanisms, you know, don't want to go. This ownership of evil, of darkness, it'll wage a war till the end, right? It'll threaten you with all sorts of deathly things. And it's interesting because in my instances, it was more like, and everybody in their trauma has an underlying message. There's an under, if, you have had, if you have trauma, there's an underlying concept, right, that the, the, the person that's traumatizing you has. There's, it's either fix me or heal me or, you know, you become fodder for their trauma or, and mine was, um, you have to save us, right? That was it. 
I'm going to send you out to be abused. You know, you're going to make you, you're going to save me. You're going to make me look good. You're going to save me. Right? I don't give a shit about your life. Your life doesn't matter. You need to save me. What you feel, I don't care about. I have an agenda, and that is. You need me. You know, you need to save me, and um, I don't care what you know. What you have to do to do that. Um, but that is the only thing that matters here. And to the end, I will terrify you and use you and... Horrific. And you agree. And I became, you know, it's, it's mercenary. I was a rogue soldier. You know... doing whatever I needed to do in order to feed this poisonous ego that he had. Because his hunger was, I'm no one. And I, I can't bear to be no one. It's eating me alive. So therefore, you know, you happen to be around and there you, you get pulled into their massive toxic shit show and there you are in the dark, feeding it, becoming it, doing its bidding, all the while thinking you're, you know, yourself to be loved or cared for, or, right? Because they know children don't go against their parents. Children don't betray their parents. It's very difficult to turn around and say that is not a parent which is what I've had to do. That was just a very dark energy. So, you know, this is very difficult territory. Um, I certainly couldn't have gone in here at all without the guidance of all of this medicine and... Um, the, the great, the ayahuasca is just insane. Um, it doesn't do the work. You have to do the work. You have to commit to sitting and seeing and seeing and seeing and cleansing. And what I'm finally seeing is that she's just pulling up what's already there, right? She's just, this thing is, is a 3D thing. It's being pulled out because it was always there. She's not installing anything. She's just, she's, she's defunding, she's de-electrifying what I had within me. I had no idea. And what's very interesting is, so how it lives in you in this, it's ether, right, really, in a way? You can't see it but it lives inside of you, is the more she sit and she, so she's pulling through layers and layers of you. That's really what the ayahuasca is doing. She's just unearthing and taking out what's inside of you already. I mean, one day I had thousands of black snakes coming out of me. Fucking hell, it's insane. There were so many coming out of me that the ayahuasca ballooned into this Herculean 
Roman soldier, I mean, like, towering above me. It was insane. It's really a battle between the light and the dark. But as she's pulled it out of me, what ha so this is interesting, is I can finally focus on the sound of the ikados more. And the more I, s that means I'm having, I'm getting more space. In other words, it's having less power over my energetic field, over my consciousness, because it owned my consciousness. So I'm able to focus, there's more space, let's put it that way. So I'm able to, f just to hear the healing sound of the ikaros, which I hear when I'm in these ceremonies. And that is healing me more. So in other words, it's healing me because it's losing ground. It's in the fight between the light and the dark. It doesn't writhe up so much because it's being put down by the ikaros of the songs and the vibrations that you hear. It's losing, it's losing its momentum. It's losing its grip. And as I can see what it did and weep for everything awful that I've done and see that my whole life has been owned by this and that my life has been a lesson in which there has been this huge learning, you know. Um, and there's almost like a shift to the other side that you're no longer inside that fortress, that this nucleus is being is dissolving, that this trauma that was so powerfully bonded, so deeply enmeshed, it was a whole gravitational pull of my life was this wound. Everything issued from this wound, but everything. And that I built layers and layers and layers of agreement around it so that I couldn't even see the wound. I couldn't hear it. I couldn't see it. I just thought this was life. But I was completely and utterly an expansion of that. I was a puppet. I was a lie. I was a prisoner and a defense mechanism. And I was a replication of it. I was a replication of all its needs. I was never here. I had no idea. And it's like the Big Bang. It's like it, the Big Bang is a little tiny blip. And as it expands, and the same thing with this, it's like as the ayahuasca opens you up and up and up and you have no idea who the fuck you are. I had no idea of any of this, like none. And I'd never felt these emotions. I certainly never knew um, all the horror. I couldn't, I couldn't feel anything. My whole heart was armored up. You know, if you imagine your emotions like a piano, mine, none of the keys worked. I had nothing other than mockery of people. That was the functioning, one functioning note. If it hurts, mock it, basically. 
And not even that, I was just owned. It was just, he literally sat inside of me, like running the ship. Um, yeah, it's just, there's a whole other thing going on in this universe. It's a whole other landscape. And one of the most beautiful, there's one specific, I mean, they're all beautiful, the Shipibo that have been helping me, and they show up. The Shipibo are the Indians who administer the ayahuasca. And, um, they're working tirelessly in Peru on different people and helping them. And, you know, in my ceremony, I had this magnificent image of one of the Shipibo who has claimed me as her sister. And um, she's just smiling. It was just beautiful as I wept, seeing and feeling the depth of the betrayal, the betrayal to myself, to my child. And the apology to, for everyone that I'd hurt in this on this journey. That I had just been an extension of of that evil. So there are huge lessons. Um, in this place of healing. I think it just takes each of us to go through our battles and through our journeys and through cut down our own jungles. You know, I think if we spent more time doing that than pointing fingers, we'd be in a great place. Um, we are just little apes running around doing our shit. Um, there are battles being fought on other dimensions, and it's a battle between the light and the dark. Love and no love. And in trauma, for me, it's about really the releasing of the trauma is the release of the injury, and the injury is caused by somebody else who was injured. And Again, I'm not interested in healing him at all. I'm interested in healing myself because I'm owned by his injury. Right? So, in the end, you know, I can't be a better person if I'm not healed. Right? I can't live a truer, more authentic existence if I am not aware of all of this stuff. And I mean, I was asleep. I was owned. I was smothered. I was, I don't know even how to describe it, walking around in blinkers. I was completely shut down. I had no idea. And being shut down, I caused injury to other people, without a doubt, because of my attitudes and my own projections and my own ego and my own, you know, defense mechanisms. And, you know, if you have a defense mechanism, you're not here. You're defending. That's why it's called a defense mechanism. You're 
in the trenches, you're, I can't see another person. I'm figuring out how that person works for me or how I can use that in some defensive way or if I can play a role. It's all bullshit, right? It's not real. It's not real. I mean, if you're owned by something else, you can't show up. So if you can't show up, who's there? A stri- you know, a mechanism that's building strategies. That's not a life. So, yeah. We're all here for a reason. Um, but trauma has lessons. And... You know, sometimes those lessons are more important than anything. And I would say in my case, certainly, more important than anything I've ever done are the lessons, Um, hard-earned lessons. Um, Again, it's, there is no prize. The prize is to be free, to be awake. And to just flow, I mean, that was my original prayer. I just wanted to be in a river flowing like a fish. Just to just did it without thinking, without strategy, without... It's like loving. Loving doesn't require an effort. It just is, right? Being pregnant just is. It's not a strategy. You don't have to wake up and figure out, am I going to die today? You know, who's going to eat me up? You know, what What show am I going to put on today? And the loneliness of it all, right? It's extraordinarily lonely not being seen and being owned. You can't connect. There is no connection to anyone when you're owned. You can't feel to start off with. Again, everything is a strategy. A defense ne- mechanism needs a, an opponent. It needs fear. It needs the same people that built it. So you're never going to be amongst healthy people because you yourself are not healthy, right? You're not here. And, you know, it will demand the death of all of it. I haven't been at that funeral yet. (laughs) I'm sure I will be at some point. All right. Happy journeying. Bye.